Hello and welcome to Motor Cult episode 27. The voice you just heard is our guest for this first special episode of Motor Cult, which is focusing entirely on the country of France and its car production. <laughs> the voice you just heard there, of course, is my co-host Ryan Sinitsky. Hello, sir. Hello there. Welcome I'm... back to this incredibly balmy, humid studio. I don't even care because I'm excited to talk about French cars. Yeah, no, you guys have both been just... I don't even know, like, what is it, like a... a uh, a metaphor for like a happy pig or whatever. I oh, don't a happier than a pig and poop. Yep. Oh, <laughs> that one. Yeah. So you guys are you've seemed very happy about this episode. I'm not faulting you at all because we all, in our own certain brand of way, love French well, cars. So. E- even before I met Jana, um, prior to um, <laughs> I, I, like when we were in high school, when we first started hanging out. Yeah. I was like into French cars. Like uh, my Gran Turismo Four game was every single French yeah, car. What a great game. Um, and that's actually the reason I discovered them. And then I just decided it was unrealistic to be super about French cars. So I got into <laughs> Japanese cars. Then I met Jana. Well, yeah, living and in this country. Awesome. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I showed Jana like, one French and car. And then as another, you and are recalling this memory, I look at both <laughs> of you wearing matching on the trois quatre Renault 5 shirts. From <laughs> Blipshift. <laughs> From yes. Blipshift, who is not yet a sponsor. They can be. But they could be. They could <laughs> anyway. be if they did more French cars. If they did. Yeah, I mean, I, the only French thing I ever bought from Blipshift was a... It was an eight series shirt. Yeah, and they you shipped it, it in an unmarked way. package, and I I opened my packages with scissors oh, yeah, along the did. edge, and this was folded into the crevice, <laughs> and I cut right through the middle of the eight series oh, shirt, no. and they didn't. It was a limited run, like all blip shift shirts, yeah. and they didn't have any others. <laughs> not that they offered me a replacement. Well, they couldn't. So like, right. What, what anyway, I, so I don't order blip shift shirts. I have a bunch, but it's because piss jugs bought them for me, mm. which was like one of those. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about beer. Yes, uh, the beer we have is not French. No, it is uh, not. It is Czech. That is very different than France. It's a Pilsner Urkel, but you know what? Uh, actually, not French. That, that, <laughs> yes, that's true. It's not French Bell. Okay, so we, before you continue on the beer, the chime, which you just heard, is the not actually French chime for this episode. And you're about to hear the pre-war bell when I say how this ties into France, because oh, this God. is Czech, and we're talking about French cars, and my favorite uh, coach builder, Stauchik, was a Czech immigrant to France. So he built cars wow, prior to World War II. There we go. Cool. Thank you, Jennifer, for ringing the pre-war bell. Let me open her up. Ooh, that sounded very Czechoslovakian. I'm really happy that they make tall boys now. Yeah, I mean, I, for tall boys look a little goofy in koozies, but really, it's, it's effective. Yeah, no, it's really effective. I like it. Well, for the longest time, they made they only made those glasses with the stupid foil on the top. Oh, oh like one of those San Pellegrino cans? Yeah, or like uh, Stella Artois. Oh. Uh, okay. Mmm, that is the best Pilsner. And I'm going to let Ryan give a, an impression of that, because I am actually behind the scenes finishing an Ordeus before I start on the new beer. So. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a Pilsner. I mean, it's going to taste kind of like a Budweiser. But like a really, really, really good Budweiser. Interesting. Um, well, and Pilsners, they're, they're a particular Eastern German and Czechoslovakian style. So it's so. incredibly tall, blonde, and has a fabulous body. Kind of, yeah. Okay, cool. And a lot of head. Oh, oh my word. Yikes. I mean, you're not wrong. Well, no, when you, pil- when you pour a Pilsner, like, you have to pour it really No, I, I do understand. <laughs> I just, I wasn't fully expecting it. But then again, I never fully expect anything on this podcast, so... 
So anyway, our first uh, topic. Let's jump right into it. Yeah, it's yours. It is. Um, I I want I do want to talk about what brought this up and what caused this to be the French car episode. For sure. Um, I was on. Um, I think it was Haggerty. Yeah. And I was reading an article uh, where they were talking about. I think it was Haggerty. Let me look here. Oh well, yeah, I mean, it was. It was called uh, Cute Utes. It bears mentioning. I mean, we've been talking about the French car episode. We've Forever. had it in the yeah. things to cover since we started. Motorcycle. Yeah, and it just it, this actually was. Um, we we didn't know how we wanted to put it together. Right, and that's why it was just in the notes. It yeah. wasn't actually planned as an episode yet. But so. what uh, what I was reading was this thing called uh, article called Cute Utes, and it was about all the <laughs> cool tiny it, like, like first gen. Yeah, like all the first gen crossovers and small. Um, SUVs that are. Didn't I be- sent you that article? I think you did, yeah. yeah. But um, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Jenna likes. They were talking about the Suzuki <laughs> X90 in it. Oh, we've definitely looked at a lot of those. Yeah, we've uh, after after we had that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's like our tenth or twelfth episode where we got yeah. snowed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jana decided that she wanted to get a tiny crossover or a tiny uh, SU or four by four. So we started this podcast in March of 2018, and that snow happened like more than a month after we started yes. the podcast. Like there was no snow. Like it, that happened like firmly into spring. I know. Yeah, it was like, like mid to late April. We got the 22. It was like it was like 420. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was around then. But anyway, I I noticed that Jana's collect, taste in collector cars. Yeah. Is very closely um, in line correlated with, in yeah. line with what the market is doing. So, if you think about it, cars have like kind of blown up in the last few years. Would include like R107s, yep. the Mercedes SLs from the 70s and 80s, Glonda yep. um, wagons, Mercedes G wagons. Those things really never lost value. I no. can't believe that. But I, I, love them. I mean, the, 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 they're having a moment where the people are kind of discovering the weird ones, and they're the oh, weird yeah. ones. Oh yeah, I agree. Explode. The, the like, W462s, yeah. especially. Like they're oh. being a blow up. Yeah. Um, DeLoreans <laughs> are finally doing something. Oh. Renault really? fives are Which another are car. That's that another car um, where a lot of people have been saying, "Hey, we have this really cool French car. It's called the Le Car, and nobody bought it. And it actually was better than a Golf. It actually oh, the Motor out- Week on that was great. Yeah. Like we love the supple ride and the excellent handling. And people were like, one side's longer than the other. And it's like, yeah, and one side is longer than the other because that Handmade, was... bro. No, not even. Actually, oh, really? um, <laughs> no, uh, Renault had been doing that on a lot of their cars because mm-hmm. they could use the same self-leveling suspension mm-hmm. without running into alignment issues when the car's at full tilt. Interesting. Yeah, because the way the control arms would work. But... Um, oh, that's... Okay. Yeah, then they the, are good engineers, the French. Yeah, and the, the Citroen DS is another one of Jana's favorites. She freaks well out with those said, all the time. Sir. Yeah, uh, very proud over here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, then there's some other weird ones, like the X90, of course, which and is then, not a French car. No, no. definitely not. But the uh, <laughs> Thanks, the um, R170 Mercedes SLKs, the hairdresser yep. uh, SLK I from the those, 90s. The M111 oh, powered compressors. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they're really cool. And they're, they're decent. I they're, drove one a while back. It was fine. If they offered a manual, I would, I would they consider did. one. You could get a manual with the 230? Uh, yeah, 230 compressor manual. Yeah. Nice. That'd actually so, be a decent car. Yeah, basically what that Slow is. Slow as dog shit, though. They're super yeah, but heavy. that's the thing. is, it's, it, it's like if the Miata was a GT. That's what that was. 
Like, okay. that's how I like about it. I do like that. It, those were retractable hardtop, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah, it's an innovative car. And then another car, um, which is, like, kind of in the realm of more JDM stuff, would yeah. be the Nissan POW. And Gianna loves the Nissan POW. Those are very cute I cars. I totally murdered one the other day, and it drove just fine. Yeah, it was a Hep's <laughs> car. Okay, yeah, I was going to say. I'm like, I saw a photo of that one posted recently in social feeds. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. But I'm wondering, Gianna, what are some of your picks for a collector car that you would buy to invest in. Are we specifically because talking you, French stuff? Not necessarily. Okay. Right. Just in general. Because so what's upcoming? What is okay. an upcoming? Because you have very, very good taste, either yeah. advertently or inadvertently. Yeah. Right now I'm looking at my, my Pinterest board. I'm seeing a lot <laughs> of different Porsches and Mercedes. Like, I love the older Mercedes. Like, like the Pontons, so the much. ones like, from the 50s I don't know, and the like, early 60s? Or? When I was younger, I just kind of ignored Mercedes. Yeah. And then I saw the older ones, and I was like, holy shit. This is my spirit animal. This is, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I've I really taken to... I see a lot of pagodas to, right yeah, now. Yeah, a lot of pagodas. Um, Those cars fiats. are stratospheric now. Yes, they are. I love all sorts of Fiats, like 500s or, you know, hey, the I have Jolly. Some of those. Oh, the 600 Jolly. Yeah. The uh, comedians in cars getting epi- whatever episode with that. the 600 Jolly and Louis C.K. Yes. Oh. Best episode. Perfect. Yes, it was. It was perfect. He Absolutely. was so uncomfortable. We should <laughs> also have Jerry Seinfeld on at um, some point. <laughs> I would I would love that. I would also love to have Louis C.K. on. A lot of micro cars like BMW Isettas and, you know, Messerschmitts. Uh, I oh, see yeah. a uh, bunch Alfa of Volkswagen things. Which I think they're like already pretty. Ones. Uh, older ones. Okay. Like, yeah. I like Those the sedan better yeah. than the coupe, which is surprising. Because you have good taste. Um, the coupes are dumb. You, I saw a... Um, a Volkswagen thing there. Yes, there, Th- there's those lots are, of things. Do you have a Schwimmenwagen in there? Probably. No, I don't see Somewhere. one. Somewhere. Schwimmenwagens are so cool. Hundreds of cars. Morris Miners, you know, so, a lot of pre-war cars because <laughs> I, I love the Great Gatsby and I'm going to get a tattoo of a, Duesenberg. you know, Duesenberg. Duesenberg so extra. I look for... Uh, Art Deco cars all the time on Pinterest. So I'll just ring the bell for myself. So... Um, Maybe to kind of summarize, it looks like oh. a, a lot of weird pre-war cars that yeah. are kind of undiscovered right now. Because I feel like a lot, of, a lot of millennials that are like about the Great Gatsby have not really looked into them. And I no. think that once it's just a matter of time, it, it you just need like a few people that are into the Great Gatsby yeah. that get into cars. And then that could create a new pre-war market. So that would be... I'll be very curious over the next, we'll say, 30 years. What happens to the... Oh, they're going to tank. Like the 20s to the mid-50s. They're going to tank. What's going to happen to those cars? Because those are boomer dream cars. Yeah. Yeah, Boomers are dying. Kids don't want them. I would be really sad if I saw them just go away. Like, I want them to go into... They're not going to get scrapped or anything. No, they're just going to be very cheap. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but like, I want them to like go into museums because like, I honestly think like cars are like works yeah. of art. Like, well, a lot of the times they are from, yeah, I mean. Especially from that time period because like you had a lot of coach builders and, you know. The one period, and you guys are probably going to love the fact that I talk positively about something pre-war, yes. but the period from the mid to late 20s where yeah. people started doing wind tunnels and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Like, like it was really cool. And Art Deco was a thing. Yeah. Yes. There this were is- some cars that had some pretty Skookum designs going on there. Oh, That's yeah. uh, I, I was think the three of us just have a massive hard on for Art Deco. Like I love oh, Art Deco. God. Yeah, it, that's why I mentioned uh, my favorite <sighs> coach builder, Stauchek. 
um, between Stouchuk and Porto, yeah. you that those two coach builders account for probably the best Art Deco cars you can ever find. Like the Stout the uh, Stouchuk Graham Forty Eight is one of the best run-ins I've ever seen in my life. I'll take your word for um, it. I don't really want to Google it. Yeah, Porto <laughs> did a bunch of really good Tabo Lagos, but um, yeah, I'll, I have links below when, okay. once we get to them. Yeah, sure. and like. Uh, Another car that I keep on seeing come up on my uh, Pinterest board that I have um, is a Ford Anglia. Like, yeah. I think... That one, yeah. I bet that, that thing is going to have up. a little more of a following because of the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. yes the Harry Potter That's car. That's what I was going to say. I know yeah. a lot of people. Well, because one of my favorite things is that I kind of pride myself on... It's popular because of cosplay, though. I yes. think... Well, one of my things... So, a lot, we'll see a lot of flying sedans. It'll be great. Yes. Yeah. I, one of my things I kind of pride myself on is showing people that aren't car people into the car culture in the way I usually oh, do yeah, that do is that. I use cars like the Anglia. You use your volume. Yes. Well, no, I mean like I, to get them actually interested <laughs> instead know. of screaming at them like the GTL is very cool. That's how you make people not like cars. Um, but no, you, you, what about that to one the, time you went after somebody with a bath though? That was pretty loud. Well, that was different. That was somebody doing a burnout. Oh, okay, um, cool. but, um, no, so I things like the Ford Anglia I use, uh, to get people into cars yeah. a lot. Uh, A86. Well, the A86 sounds much. That's a little new, though. That, that's yeah. a, Well, no, that's something that's more like you you find the A86 on your own. Yeah. But, um, or the if somebody... A86 finds you. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Now, I use cars that are more, you know, appeal to their taste. So something that's, like, usually cute, that's small, fun to drive. So it's Ford Anglia's French cars and old Italian cars are cheap. Yeah, and... um. A, one that's not on my Pinterest, but yeah. I really like is the Ford Bronco, and like I would really like an OJ those vintage are, one. Those yes. are having a oh, moment man. now. Oh my yeah. god, they've yeah, got clean a, one of those is worth a lot of money. And like yeah. Ryan well, can tell especially you, especially a white I, one. I liked base. all of these cars, yeah. and then they happen to become right. popular. No, that's yeah. why we're doing this segment. Like right. I also <laughs> like FJ Cruisers, which I they're starting to come. The fact that the, the three windshield wipers. Other ones, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. The, the, I want uh, a manual FJ kind yeah, of. Yeah, I want a the baby FG, the blue FG Bronco with a white top. For sure. Right? Yeah, we can vinyl wrap the bottom part white. Can and you then imagine the confusion of somebody pulling up next to you at a set of traffic lights and you driving that vehicle? It would I be know, amazing. right? And not like somebody it jacked just up the steroid ant- wrote. antithesis <laughs> of. <laughs> Yeah. So like but if you, if you think of it though, like a first gen Bronco, it's baby blue. That's like a yeah. total Jana car. No, it com- is. Compared I'm not to everything, it's a bad idea. Not yeah, I mean, but I mean, like compared to every everything else, that's a tiny little off roader. It's yeah, perfect. But I definitely want to vinyl wrap it white and drive sure. it to LA, of and course. you know, get a few friends that are cops. Drive to down chase the middle me. of the four hundred five. Wait, yeah. are you talking about a first gen or one of the nineties ones? Because uh, he had a nineties one. Yeah. yeah, we can he do had like both. a ninety three. It, yeah, it, I'll, I'll do I'll do it both ways. You His know, was the eleventh gen. Dude, a first gen uncut okay. Bronco is unattainable. Yeah, but you know, yeah. dreams. You know, to fill a garage like oh, this. Oh, for sure. You know, I I also have dreams of that. Yeah. Before we move on to the next thing, yes. which I'll let you guys handle, I do want to talk about the beer one more time. Thank you to Nick Johannes. Yeah, for thank, you, Nick. The beer. thank you, Nick. Nick is, is hanging around in the background. He is outside of the camera view. And for then those one other thing, before we started the episode, Randy Stern, a previous guest from last week, well, two weeks ago, uh, he stopped by and gave us a couple of promo uh, glass care products, and I just want to thank him for that. So yeah, thank you, Randy. Props to randystern.net, R-A-N-D-Y-S-T-E-R-N.net. As spelled correctly on our... Not our previous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to go to his uh, website and you want a link, it's good everywhere except iTunes. 
Okay, except for that. No, and I know the the first one. SoundCloud he did and iTunes are the same. SoundCloud and iTunes, yeah. So. But both of those places don't have clickable links, so we're good. But good. If you find it on YouTube and Facebook, you're good. Anyway, that's all I really want to. I just want to plug those people. So, um, another car that uh, Jana was very excited about when I showed it to her was the Renault Twingo GT. Yes, I actually found it through a shit posting group on Facebook. There's two very old ladies with a handicap permit in a looks like a leased Mitsubishi Outlander. Yes. Driving around, slack jawing the Ferrari, sitting up in the air. Ugh. Sorry, Jana, please. But yeah, I um, <laughs> I found the Renault Tr- Twingo Lake. You're talking first gen, right? Yes, first yeah, gen. Yeah, the first the gen. She found and up. Um, yeah, which I just I I thought it was let adorable. Me, that's another car. I would say. Uh, why don't you show them the picture? I, I, I will show the nice ladies and gentlemen. Just bear with me. I would. I would actually say that that would be an R car. I think you should put on your list of cars that are going to yes. I- increase in value. And like the thing is, like Certainly right now, there's market. a lot of shit posting about it because everybody secretly loves it but they know it's not the best car so like there's this beautiful picture i found on the internet yeah. through this shit posting group just yesterday who is kind of i'll blow this a up a little bit um but it's uh, a first gen renault twingo and then a little renault twingo like motor car and then one that you can push a little little baby on and we- i just i love it because this encapsulates why i love the car I sent it to our sound engineer, Corey, the it's other day, and he's cute. like, which one's the real car? Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't tell if it's a medium-sized one, a comically large one, and a small one, or if it's a small one and two comically large ones. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, uh, and they're super cute. I uh, On Manual Elitist Jerks, the Twingo is like the spirit animal of that group. Good. Like, anytime go somebody shit them. posts... It's like somebody posts like a picture of like a '93 Twingo with like angry Twingo, <laughs> like Merci Twingo. The and car like, is like so Twingo happy. Tuesdays where people post like the plushies. You guys would both I need love to this, add group. this group. Yeah, it's yeah. called Manual Elitist Jerks on Facebook. Um, I highly suggest you go. There. There's actually a Twingo memes page on Facebook too. Oh my word! That's that's the shit. See, that, that's why this car has a future because people love it. Yeah, no, it's that's the thing is you know, if a car starts out being a meme. People will eventually desire it. Desire Usually, it. well, I mean, if a lot of cars like all I mean, you I, all I you need you. is hype. That's yeah. it. You just need the hype. But is that car really like a lustworthy, desirable car? I think so. Just people want it because it's cute and it's well. Cheap. First off, I it's super cute, cute and cheap. cheap. It's cute and cheap. Cheap and, and cheerful. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> I think that the, the design. I love those episodes. <laughs> the the design is actually a really good example yeah. of '90s car design. It is. It's a fabulously practical car. That's and cute. it's Got also hood louvers. It was very groundbreaking because it was actually the first city car, car designed just for people who live in the city, mm-hmm. not people who have to drive on the highway. Right. So that car actually is a very groundbreaking car. Prior to that, they had never done that. Like yeah, you had micro cars, but that was more of an austerity thing. It than looks a more modern city to car. me than '93 when yeah. it was you know brought into production. So. Yeah, no, I really really like that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> they have a second generation. Yeah, called the. The Twingo, uh, but they the Twingo has wow. a hotted up version called a Twingo GT. Does it have the cup chassis? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Does it? Well, I mean, it's an optional thing. Yes, I, I hope you would buy the cup chassis. What's the cup? Seventeen chassis? inch wheels, stiffer oh, suspension. Okay. Well, anyway, what's cool about the Twingo? Actually, another reason why it's desirable: it's a rear engine, rear wheel drive. Ooh. Really? Yes, and the Twingo GT is as well. And actually, they did that for safety. Really? Because in a car that small, if you get in a front-end collision... So do they have three gens of Twingo? No, not two. Because the most modern one, the one that we there did the top gear on... There is one now, on, yeah. There's when he, like, 
launches the Twingo into the water and there's a guy. I, in the I trunk. think that was a first gen. No, it was no, like a 2012. Okay, twelve. I know. Like that. That's what I'm talking about. The current one is rear engine, rear wheel drive. So the one after this, then. Okay. So there must be a third. There must gen. be a third let's, gen. Let's, I don't know. I guess we could use the power of Wikipedia for sure. The uh, the one that was in the Top Gear episode was rear yeah. wheel drive. Okay. Right. Yeah, but the no, the the newest one is rear engine, rear wheel drive. That's kind of cool. Um, and they did it for safety, actually, because if you yeah, there's three gens. Okay. Okay. The three door hatch is the. Twingo one and two, and then okay. five door is the third. Okay, cool. So that, that makes sense then. And you're right. It's rear know. engine, wheel, real wheel drive, and the first two are front wheel, front wheel. Yep, front that makes engine. sense. Yeah. Okay. So they've been getting better. Every generation of the Twingo has become more of a performance car. It is now effectively a five door 911. Um, and on that note. Okay. <laughs> but anyway. I do um, have to say that I just jo- <laughs> I, I filled out the questions for the manual at least oh, yeah? one. And the first one's like, what what was the first car you drove manual? And mine was a Saturn View. Yikes. Um, yeah, but the fact terrible. that you drove a manual Saturn View, it's like it's right. like saying your first car was a manual element or like a right. manual Bronco. Like it's yeah. a, it's a great like version of Duramax with a manual. And then the second question is, if you could choose between World Peace or, you know, your dream car, what color is what, what, what color you choose? Car? And I yeah. said, Ruby Stone Red, duh. Which is you will definitely get approved. The best color. Yes. I should look and see if Porsche. I can approve you. I might be able to. Um, anyway, anyway, so with the Twingo GT, uh, the newest one they have a three-cylinder turbo, yeah, which it makes about like 110 horsepower, which is actually a ton for a car that weighs less than. How many uh, CC is the displacement? Uh, one liter. Oh wow! Yeah, so good. But uh, I hate to tangent on this, but I'm gonna just keep going after I say this. Uh, on an earlier episode, I was told that the 1.5-liter GM Ecotech engine that was the base engine in the new Terrain and Equinox is a three-cylinder. I felt like it was a four. It is a four. It's okay. Three okay. So please keep going. That's fine. I forgive you, as do all of our listeners. Nobody they remembers really don't it. They don't care. I never got any complaints about it, but it, it's eating me up inside. Well, so yeah. yeah. No, I, I did the same thing when I was talking about the dots I remember that, yeah. Um, anyway, so Renault owns... Nissan and Mitsubishi. Yep. And the I Mitsubishi remember. Mirage is here, and that uses a one-liter three-cylinder yep. as well. It does. It's we drove it's front-wheel drive, yeah. but it's, you know, whatever. I really, really, really want Renault, because they've never actually designed a Nissan so far. The Eclipse Cross is designed when, when not Nissan, uh, the Eclipse Cross was designed when Mitsubishi was its own company. Yeah. Um, they've yet to design a car. I really just want them to partsman engineer a performance <laughs> Mirage and put the Twingo GT engine in the front of the That'd Mirage. That would be pretty cool. And they have like naming conventions already. They used to have a performance and Mirage. crash testing a Mirage costs like 50 cents. Yeah. So. But they had a, uh, it, back in the 70s, they had a performance Mirage. It was called Mirage FTO, which. Oh, I remember the FTO. They had the a, FT, the, the FTO well, that's a was a bespoke model. Very too. cool car. Yeah. But uh, no, the, the FTO was originally a trim level of the Mirage. Right, but it became its own mark. Yeah, just that. like the 3000 GT in Japan is called a GTO. That was yep. also a performance Correct. trim level of the Mirage, <laughs> as was the Evo. I think, Gran Turismo Homologato. But anyway. Um, if you guys were wondering what GTO is yeah, for. Yeah, sure. Anyway. It's true. I really want Mitsubishi and Renault to make a Mirage FTO with the Twingo GT engine. That would be perfect. I think because you're still going to get 40 miles per gallon. You're going to have 100 horsepower, yeah. which is going to be decidedly like 30 more than you have now. That would be probably, it'd be 50% more power. Yeah. 
and it would be, be fabulous. Like that would the be one so I, the stock fun. one I drove was great. <laughs> that'd be so fun with that much power because you'd have 100 horsepower. It's like a Fiat 500 Abarth with 150. Like it's the ultimate slow well, car well, fast. I have like 160 already. What do you know what I mean? But yeah. I mean, like, no, I, I know. I, it's I ultimate agree with you. Fast. I think it's a great yeah. But, but again, not a French car. No, it's not. Uh, however, it would be using a French engine. So, yeah, undo that <laughs> donning. Uh, anyway, Burger, let's talk about because a lot of people are wondering why are we giant fans of French cars. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I mean, like you guys were talking about earlier, there was a certain vehicle you saw or you had an experience with that grabbed you and pulled you in. And some people don't like French cars. I don't like those people because they're oh, dumb. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's the Renault Avant time. <gasps> And yes. this is pretty much the only thing I'm going to actually, like, instigate on this episode because it's the only thing I feel passionately about. <clears throat> yeah. This thing was a concept car by Renault. You saw it at the auto shows in mm -hmm. 1999. It was this giant monospas based on the Renault Espas, mm -hmm. so minivan. Yeah. But it had two gigantic, gigantic doors, the largest doors ever fitted to a production car. Weren't they double hinged? They so are. So you could actually yeah, get a lot into like, and out of them? Mm -hmm. So they... This this predates the Mercedes CL, the yeah. C215, which had the double hinge. I, I will while I'm uh, while I'm talking. Hopefully, I can do two things at once. But anyway, this car I firmly believe is the most. You just took a concept car and you put it into production. They literally I've did. Never seen. I've it had never the seen same wheels like, that. Yeah. like they, the concept car had like DOT, not DOT, whatever the the French governing body was. Like all the headlights were at the right levels, so yeah. they could make it, so they didn't have to make any changes to it. They just made it. And this thing, man, it was it's it seats four. It's the size of a small moon. <laughs> it doesn't get terrifically good fuel economy, but it is like the most interesting looking vehicle I have ever seen. You know, and I was actually was, I was I was pre gaming this show by actually doing a uh, or doing a bunch of research on this, and I watched a Renault. Oh. A Renault you UK video. We'll post it up on the Motor Call uh, yeah. Facebook page. But um, that the Renault Aventime actually, I'll, the design elements from this vehicle yeah. went on to influence every single Renault I mean, to date. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the first car that started the design language for a decade of Renault product. Mm -hmm. Oh, more than, because it's still, they're yeah. still there doing are still it. still elements, Like absolutely. the Renault Captive and, or Captur, whatever you call it. You can even see parts of the Renault Twingo in it. If you, if you yeah. look at the front end, it looks very similar to the third generation. Yeah, it looks like a modern Twingo. Um, I love the taillights where they flip around. I know. They that, do like the, the little trapezoid hourglass thing. Yeah, like That's really straight cool. over onto the Megan. I love it. When and I, I think it's, it's really cool because it actually it speaks to the Renault logo yes. as well. It does. Oh, it does. And I mean, keep in mind, this thing was designed in like 99. And it looks like it could be on sale today. Oh, yeah. Not only was it designed in 1999, we also have to talk about that this came from... A car company living in what is now a very conservative country with the evil queen of numbers, Carlos Gozen, <laughs> as the uh, <laughs> president. So, Carlos Gozen, you have to understand, is the guy who is, has made Nissan about as boring as humanly possible. But at Aww. the same time, has the ability to make something as cool as the Aventime. And I'm glad he did. <laughs> because clearly they knew going into this it wasn't going to sell real well. But this oh. vehicle almost bankrupted Jesus. Nissan. <laughs> Maybe that's why Nissan's They literally started... They made a factory to start production on these. And they literally had to close the factory <laughs> in a bunch more just to oh, make no. the company not fail. That is hilarious. They made this vehicle for three years. They sold a grand total of how many? 
3,600 units. It's oh, like a thousand a year. That's nothing. It's we were just watching a documentary on the Renault 4, and they sold like 200,000 per year for 30 years. Yeah, no, I mean, again, this wasn't designed to sell a lot, but they were hoping you were going to sell, sell a lot more than yeah. a thousand units a year. I just wanted to show the people that Renault does sell cars. All right. But Absolutely. Yeah, they one. do. But I'm so glad they made this because <laughs> oh, yeah. in seven years, if I can find one that isn't beat to a pulp, which I, I should be able to, I would take bringing it in. I would take up Brian's offer yeah. to get one now. Should we move on the topic of which French car we'd import since we're talking about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's. Yeah. So, so that's my answer. I yeah. can. Oh my! I can and will import an Avon Time in several years' time. Or do the Showtime. Show, show, show and show or display. Yeah. So, so J- Jana, what would you import then? I'm going to. I'm not going to import anything. I'm going to move to Canada and buy an electric Twingo. Okay. Actually, to be honest, this is also a Patreon topics. I think Scott. It looks like something Scott wrote because it was really like worded in legal jargon. Uh, okay. But I, I just I tailored it to French only. Okay. Um, so you would you would move just move to Canada? Yes. And just own one for a daily driver to date. Yes, okay. I would. I would get like a nice little cabin, you know, on a lake. Sounds and, majestic and yeah. very expensive. And because like we, we live in South Canada, so I we do. Just drive. We say a sometimes. Yeah. When we get so really we, heated. So we can we can drive up there. I say op all the time. I'd you just have to say project, and then you're good. Oh yeah, I, project. So my what, what my was that word that they were pronouncing really weird on as it happens yesterday? Drama. Drama. Yeah, they pronounce. Drama. They, they don't say drama. They say drama. Oh yeah. Drama. <laughs> See, the thing is, like, I actually want to go to school in oh. Canada. So realistically, I do want to. For temporarily move to Canada and. It would be sweet if you had dual citizenship, because then you could potentially yeah. maintain it. Yeah. But um, but I don't know how tough that is. Canadians are kind of hesitant to let Americans in. I don't I wonder why. Shocking. So we, um, in Manitoba, we have right. reciprocity, so we could. I, I can reciprocity. Yeah. Res- reciprocity. Yeah. Yeah. That's a word. Um, so that makes sense. Definitely. I mean, we really only have it in Manitoba, but that's still close enough. You know, hey, I can. That's in Canada. Yeah. I'm good. Also, Manitoba is very sparsely populated, so I mean, there's probably a lot of curvy roads. So we can make a racetrack. Well, no, I was thinking more that they they don't have much of an economy, so they can't afford to build bridges, so they just have very curvy roads there, which are good driving roads. They are indeed. That's actually why most country roads... That's road, a hell of an aggression, but yeah. No, that, that's actually why most country roads are so curvy, because it's cheaper to oh, just yeah, make to a, the a cool, yeah, curvy yeah, road sure. than make a bridge. Way cheaper. Yeah. Oh, should we excavate all this earth or just sort of not do that? Yeah, let's just yeah. not do that. Uh, so, so that's my answer, because like... Not only could I get a Twingo, but I could get all the other French You can get an Aventime right now. Yeah, I could get an Aventime. I, just all the Renaults. Well, I technically, I have to wait two years for an Aventime. In Canada? In Canada. Is it not I thought 15? it was a 20-year rule. Is 20, it 15? It's 15. Oh, well then, yeah, you could definitely have an Aventime. Yeah, so and I would be extremely jealous, and I'd like to come visit and drive it. <laughs> For sure. Um, I'll, and you dr- also, I'll drive it here on the weekends. There is one thing you did not mention on the Aventime, is that it has a VQ35 in it. Uh, it's a VQ30. Oh, it's a VQ30. Yep. But you could put a VQ35DE into could. it. Yep. Which or a VQ37 or potentially a VR38. Well, oh. the VQ37, you would have to be a front-wheel drive one, though. So what oh, I'm yeah, those are rare, aren't they? I don't, I don't think they even made a VQ. Well, I guess the Maxima, yeah. So you could do that. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So what I'm hearing is we just need to import all the Renault Avatimes and explore yeah. our options. That's I would like to import one uh, questionably legally and just have it. Just and leave just, it in my just garage. Have it. Just have it. Like, um, I don't even care if it doesn't move for now. 
So for for my choice for what I would import, yeah, um, I have three choices. Two of them, unfortunately, are already in America, but they had to be imported. So, America. um, but my one I would definitely import if I could import any French car would be the one that started it all for me, the Renault Clio V6 Gen Two, the Series Two, yeah, the one from the two, yeah. late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, early two thousands. That one. Yeah, yep. that was. It was a homologation cup car. Yep. It was a. It was a Renault <laughs> it Clio. It looked like it. <laughs> it was a Renault Clio, which is a four cylinder front wheel drive equivalent to a Civic, but they lowered it, put a wide body on it, and put a V six in the rear of it, out of an Aventime. So VQ thirty. Oh yeah. Uh, it was really cool with a Maxima transaxle. I can attest um, to how much Ryan loves the Renault Clio. Is that that's the name Cleo is on the list of our firstborn daughters. Yeah. So when it eventually happens, yeah, we, so I am yeah. not surprised at all. Yeah. yeah they're actually, it, or I, I plan on naming my daughters. I'm actually daughters. surprised it's not more obscure. No, actually, right. well, uh, I, I plan on naming all of my daughters after French cars. So Cleo, DS, um, DS. yeah, I think I'm not sure if I'm misspelled just DS or DS. I would do like D I E S S E or something. Yeah. I don't know. I just think just DS Sininsky. <laughs> <laughs> um, or uh, Zoe after the uh, electric hot That'd hatch. That'd be good. Made. Okay. Um, but anyway, so Not Twizzy. Yeah, oh, Twizzy would be. Oh, that'd be Twingo. a really cute name. <laughs> um, Twingo would be all right. So, Twizzy is actually not a sh- not that shit a name. Th- so all right, if, for those of you on, on YouTube, yes, there's that, a series two. That's the one I was thinking of. Or phase two, whatever they call it. Yeah, uh, it's phase two. But anyway, for those of you on YouTube, it is literally as I described it. Yep. A wide body rear engine hot hatch. Yep. Now, the other one, other two, Burger, I think you should uh, just copy paste because they have long ass names. Um, the first one is a Porto Delage D8 120 Coupe. Where are these even listed? If you go down to the bottom of the listing, or of the notes, uh, right above World Cup of Cars, you'll see it. All right, I'll keep plugging through here. But uh, the Porto Delage D8 120 Coupe, unfortunately, that one is in America. It's a one of one car. And the other one is a Figoni Falashi Taubo Lago SS 150. Just by those names, I'm guessing those are super old. Yep, you are right. But they are, you guys talking about uh, the best Art Deco cars? Uh huh. Yeah, you're about to see it. It's going to happen in your face hole. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell by my face, but I'm not terribly amused that I'm Googling this. I've never seen somebody more stone-faced in my life. And Burger gets pretty stone-faced. So, all right, there you have it. Um, This is a really, really pretty car. Um, It looks like a cigar, kind of, for those of you on the the podcast and on the video. But uh, just picture an old car with really swoopy fenders and big wheels and stuff. That's a good description. Yep. But it had a straight eight. Um, That's pretty cool. Which is pretty tight. It made 120 horsepower, which is also pretty tight. Super short gearing, three speed manual transmission, rear wheel drive. That eight, that breeze is real nice. Oh, I can smell the cooking too. Yes, it's just fantastic. Mm. But uh, no, it made it made 120 horsepower, which is actually pretty good for. It probably uh, made it, like 7,000 foot pounds of torque too. So. Yeah, and it was a three liter engine. Mm. With. Uh, it, Impressively small displacement for the vintage. Yeah, for, for, that's what I like about pre-war yeah. French cars. Because back then they were actually making some power. Uh, okay. The other one is that name. I'm not gonna even have you type word for word. You can just you just copy pasta as well. Uh, Figoni, um, Falashi, <laughs> Tabalago SS150. Um, this one. I've this been, is hard to copy. Yeah, it's really long. Um, <laughs> 
but these are both uh, coach built cars and coach building was really popular in France. Like the, back prior to even after world war two, up until the sixties, really uh, when you could do whatever you wanted. That so this my, looks like a Morgan. It looks like crossing a Morgan and a Bugatti Atlantique. It looks like somebody just like melted some butter up for a Morgan. Ah, it's just beautiful. It has enclosed headlights, which is really impressive. Yeah, and suicide doors. I don't care. But about this that this one beats the uh, Delage. What um, about the Citroen uh, Aventime? The Aventime's on my list. I just didn't want a Steelburger's the, fire. The Renault? Uh, no. Wait. The Renault Aventime? What are you talking about? No. Sh- you gotta you gotta face the microphone, Jana. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. It. Is that an old car? Old yes, car? Yes, old car. How old? Alpine? Oh, Al- tra- uh, Traction Avant. There we go. Oh. We, we had them in America. We don't have to import oh. it. Yeah, so yeah. that's how that one is included. <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, yeah. uh, the French basically imported the car, and I have a list of just things that they made that's a mile long, and we don't have to talk about everything on it. But, I mean, like... There's a lot of stuff that they were the first to market with. They made the first... Like, not horse-drawn land vehicle in 1769. Uh, Nicholas Joseph uh, Cognat, Cuno. Uh, where are we? Uh, Cuno. Cuno, yeah. Burger went, to, Burger went to Cuno. French immersion. I did not. It is very I do apparent. speak French, so um, I'm happy to help if yeah, you Yeah, thank struggle. you. Uh, but that was the first land vehicle. But then they also made the first large-scale steam car. The Bollet. The, the Bollet in 17, or 1878. What the f- was that that just drove back? It's probably Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It was like a Hummer, but a pickup truck. Oh, yeah. It's oh, like yes. one of those it's like international Kodiak, CXT. Whatever. Yeah. It's and like. Now there's a semi truck camper driving back. If it's like you have an F 450, but your penis is even smaller, then you just go ahead yeah. and get one of those. And that's you what you're hearing dick. right now. That was. That anyway, was, so I hate people. And. Um, <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I'm just to keep plugging away. These yeah. are these are all the things that just like other manufacturers outside of the big ones I've noted have done. Um, the literal first land speed record ever, Jean Duke. That was the car. Is a Jean Todd Duke, um, 1898. Uh, they also did the first land speed record over 100 kilometers per hour or 60 miles 60 miles per hour. Damn, that's pretty lit. Well, in 1899 with a fucking tiller and a one-inch wide tire, yeah, yeah, that's whatever. amazing. Um, I'll, do, I'll do that on a bicycle, bro. Uh, the, that is a Cita number 25, La Jamais Content. Um, that's close enough where I won't correct you. Thank you. I tried really hard. Uh, that well, was 1899. Was butchered, but the first one was perfect. Um, and then uh, Gabron Brille uh, did the first. Um, yeah, you help me with that one. No, you're good. What, what is it? No, it's fine. What was it? First 100 mile an hour plus land I know, speed record. I, I know, but how do you pronounce that? Gobron Brûlé. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, Gabron Brûlé. French names. Um, <laughs> Cran Brûlé. Keep your pants they had, on, Jim. They had the first 100 mile an hour plus land speed record. That's impressive. In, in 1904. Yeah. Again, Terrifying. without a steering wheel. The balls that size don't exist these days. It's 103.56 oh, no. miles per hour uh, on a beach in the sand. This legally would not with be a able to even be thought tires. of today. Like, no. You would no. think it, yeah. and then the thought please. I don't know come. how those people sat down. These people... Uh, just basketballs. Oh, yeah. I, I saw a picture of the guy that did the 100-mile-an-hour land speed record. How big was his mustache? Enormous. Was he, it waxed? The, there's a picture of him. It was a big, twirly mustache, like, covered... What went from, like, jawbone to jawbone. Um, he had a monocle. Oh, my God. 
he had he there are certain aspects of the past that I do think are cool. <laughs> I, Monocles I, are one of those things. I, I'm not gonna lie, he did he did not have a top hat, but he had uh, a bowler hat like yeah. Winston oh. Chur- yep. Churchill. I know what bowlers are. He had sure. coattails, and yeah, it was uh, the most amazing picture. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, either has a cigar or a pipe in his hand. <laughs> like it was just the best picture ever. Um, but no, I mean even. Uh, outside of that, um, there's Pa Panhard, which is famous for the Panhard mm-hmm. Rod. Yep. Uh, they also made th- that was 1891. Um, it, it, I can't get the date right. It, it was definitely Pan uh, Pa that made the Panhard Rod. Sure. Which Pa is actually Panhard. It's spelled Panhard, but because French is a stupid language, every letter after the second well, letter is silent. It'd be like Panhard, probably it's in French. French. Because they don't really like to pronounce H's. Yeah, or it's just D's too much or R's. Yeah, yeah. It, you just say something like you have it's a mouth- lazy language. You're just if you have a mouthful together. of butter and you're drunk, that's yeah. how that's it, yeah, how you would pronounce so, a word. Like yeah. uh, go back to our proving grounds episodes. Yeah, basically just listen to us. That's basically France. Yeah, that's that's kind of how France oh, yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the Panhard rod, which is if any of you have ever done anything with with uh, solid rear axle, you know what a Panhard rod is. Yep. Um, the clutch pedal <laughs> being a pedal mm-hmm. that was French, 1887. Um, System um, that was a standard automobile layout. The front engine rear wheel drive, uh, thank you. Uh, front engine rear wheel drive, sliding gear transmission, four wheels. I know sliding gear transmission sounds ridiculous, but prior to that, your transmissions were like bicycle transmissions, they were not sliding gears. Um, and the fact that you had four wheels is also a big th- big deal. Yeah. Because you had like yeah, five Ben's wheels, motor three wheels. Three. Yeah. Yep. Um, then the steering wheel, 1894 for the Paris Rouen Rally. I don't know how to pronounce that. Paris Rouen. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, that was actually a performance upgrade, the steering wheel. Uh, but that was uh, Panhard's a performance only thing. upgrade, steering yeah. wheel. I like it. <laughs> Sleeve valves, 1910. Um, I may go into those. Next episode, as our interesting engineering, because I actually had to look up what a sleeve valve was, because okay. I'd seen that previously, because Subaru used that in the Subaru 360 Young SS. Of course they did. 100 horsepower per liter uh, K car. But that's actually a really cool design. Um, <laughs> but staying in the term of, in the same era, yeah. De Dion Bouton, um, then the De Dion tube. Um, the De Dion tube is uh, basically. It essentially, is a gigantic sway bar. I didn't even see this on the list. It's a, I went to the bottom. It's oh. underneath Bugatti. Um, oh, okay. But no, the Daydion Bouton, the uh, Daydion tube uh, was really commonly used, actually to date, in independent rear suspension, rear wheel drive vehicles. Um, nowadays, they're usually built into the chassis, but on a car with a weaker chassis, it's essentially two-inch thick sway bar. Oh, my God. That, uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. That sounds heavy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Good it's going, also... Didion. But Didion, um, they're uh, more important just because they did things that weren't necessarily um, the first, but they made a modern thing. Sure. So They set a standard. Basically. They set a standard, yeah. basically. So they had, like, the first high-revving car engine. Okay. So in 1895, like, 900 RPM was... That was about really the Really cooking. The they were running engines at two to 2,000 to 3,500. 
dude, that's like a 6BT Cummins. <laughs> it was actually hilarious how they figured out how to run that mm-hmm. because they were originally, they were experimenting with roller bearings, um, which are ball bearings. Yep. Yeah. Uh, basically, for those of you that aren't bearing experts. Um, Weird. But they, uh, they, were spinning, they were spinning rod bearings, basically, at 900 RPM. And they couldn't Sounds fig- like a Ford Flathead. Weird. They couldn't figure out what the problem was. Okay. But the thing is, is they were trying to experiment with just like what, like how is exploding. So they're speeding up the engine to blow them up prematurely. Yeah. And it turns out after two thousand R- or after fifteen hundred RPM, they were more reliable. Is it just like a balancing issue? That's what it was. Yeah, it was okay. a balancing issue. Sure. So they were beginning to rev them out from two thousand to thirty five hundred, and then they made a relatively Ton more power, ton more power yeah. and way more reliable. So they were making on what was at that point like a three horsepower engine, making nine. They nice. were made. They made. Tw- it was probably three times more than that. I mean, a Model T had like twenty horsepower. We're talking a one cylinder engine in eight in like oh. eighteen ninety five. All right, that's so that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that is. How many <laughs> rings is that for eighteen? Uh, well, it's a. You're not facing the microphone. B. I think it's probably two rings. Because that's pre nineteen hundred. Yeah, for everything. So oh, uh, pre World War One. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah it's this is like yep. I know all this is pre war, but the fact this that is pre pre war. It's very very pre. Oh, wow. Th- this is war. like pre seven years almost pre co- <laughs> oh like God. it feels like it's almost pre car at this point. I, these are is, these yeah. are horseless carriage. Um, also, De Dion was the first foreign automobile built in America. Nice, nineteen oh one. Uh, and the first the first successful mass production V8 in 1910. Wow. Yeah, they did that. Uh, 34 horsepower. How did they get that much power from only 6.1 liters? I don't know. 34 horsepower, 6.1 liters wow. of the sleeve valve. I don't get it. That is a um, lot of power. <laughs> it's very dense. Yeah, that's. Uh, this is why I find these cars interesting. They're just so weird. Um, like the fact, like the way French they had people a, are very weird. The way they had a valve open in the engine, totally different than a modern car. I thought it was really cool. Uh, but moving on to like, so we we've heard about um, Panhard uh, Bugatti. Mm-hmm. So this will probably be the this will be the last major really pre-war thing. Oh, never sure. mind. Actually, I, I just outright lied because I forgot Renault and Peugeot basically. Don't worry, we huge. have some time. Um, Bugatti first four valve per cylinder engine, nineteen ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, first production multi valve engine, nineteen twenty three, in the Brescia Tour. Um, which was actually, if you think about that, every other car prior to that was just two valves. They had a three valve. Right. Blew everybody's mind. Which, I mean, it doesn't necessarily require overhead valve, but it probably did have it, I'm guessing. Yes, it was. Yeah. So um, I say, I'm picturing like a four valve flathead, and it's just like the most ridiculous mental image it was ever. A, it, they were overhead valve. They, they had dual red cam even. No, I know that. Yeah. I mean. Also, yeah, the first alloy wheel. That's actually really impressive. Yeah, 1924. Uh, the Bugatti Type 35 uh, Le Mans car. All right, carry on. Um, Howell front axle for weight reduction, uh, Bugatti Type 35. First high revving V8, uh, Bugatti Type 35, 6,000 RPM, which is actually pretty, I mean, to date is still a huge amount of power. Um, second largest automobile engine of all time. Uh, also the largest automobile engine that was not um, put into an airplane, which is the Bugatti Royale, 12.7 liters. Um and incidentally, they actually put the Bugatti Royale 12.7 liter uh, straight eight into uh, a train and set the land speed record on rail. Uh, so Bugatti made the fastest train. 
they made yeah they they basically made the second largest vehicle engine and then put it into a train and on top of having the most expensive vehicle in the world at that point uh they also had the fastest train with the same That's engine awesome. so, did, did you did you purposely go into train building no i just wanted to set a world record i thought it would be fun we had, we had some leftover engines well, and we decided yeah you know, let's do something with it we, wa- but, we want um, to get places faster so yeah, exactly. we threw a bugatti engine into a train they also made the first and arguably i think the only magnesium bodied car only is yeah. probably because it's flammable yeah. <laughs> yeah the bugatti type 57 aerolith i'd like to drive it <laughs> uh and then well to be fair that was a concept car then that did not go into production but it does exist. and is because it's massively expensive to make a magnesium body oh, yeah. today. <laughs> yes. Especially how large Bugattis were back oh, my then. Word. Actually, no, they were very small. They were very small. I d- I'm just imagining like... Small for the era. No, no, I mean like they were the size of like an Insight. Oh. What? Yeah. So I- I'm just They're like really small cars. Imagining a car like the size, like oh, maybe. very okay. long, made the, out the, of magnesium. The Bugatti I'm, yeah, Royale. I'm picturing, I'm picturing Bentleys, which are massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, Bugatti... Uh, they made much smaller cars than that. Interesting. Um, okay. They were they were more like Alfa Romeo pre-war. Ah. Okay. But um, those are very wind tunnel. No, I was cars, uh, I was telling Jana they actually they made the most the most expensive car pre-war and the second largest pro- uh, engine the Bugatti Royale. And uh, why don't they, we have car names like that anymore? They're great I names. Royale. And you know it, the we thing just is with type things like the Aztec. Well, the thing is the Royale was really cool because to buy one, yeah, you had to go and eat dinner <laughs> with. Um, with a, I think a male Bugatti was his name. Um, you had to eat. Did you have to buy him dinner? No, you had to go to dinner with him, and he had to actually interview you to see if you're worthy of the car. And famously, the king of Armenia wasn't allowed to have one because he said he had the worst table manners I've ever seen from a human being. And he sold the king of Armenia's Bugatti that he had already made yeah. to a German gynecologist. Nice. <laughs> nice. You didn't Very tell me fine. that last bit, and I really appreciate that last bit. <laughs> that is the most important part of that entire story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad you said it. That is, uh, it's, oh, it's a hilarious story. It's just, it's so ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, that uh, Bugatti <laughs> arrow. It's so French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he just like sold to somebody else because he didn't like really. the person personally. Um, vagina, you have my car. <laughs> but then the, uh, the Bugatti Aerolith actually went into production with a aluminum body, which okay. I think might have been a first, but I didn't have time to verify that. Um, but it's worth mentioning. Uh, they also invented the hypercar in 1991 with the EB110. I do love the EB110. That's one of my favorite cars At that ever. point, they were technically Italian. Now they're technically German. Um, oh, yeah. But they're still made They've in Billancourt. All right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're still... Yeah. What was it? Ah, shoot, what was the car? Mm. Was it, is it the Focus RS that's made in, like... Essex or something. It's it's made in like some northern England place that nobody knows uh, about. The Focus, the Focus RS, and the Civic Type R engine. It's kind of like the DeLorean. Oh, I was thinking about the Civic Type R. Yeah, because the, the Civic the Type actual car is made in like probably nowhere a suburb of England. Or yeah, that's where you make like every F1 engine is in northern yeah. England. Yeah. Um, well, like even like the DeLorean, you know, that was it's got a French engine. Peugeot Renault Volvo um, engine, piece of yeah. shit. It was built in Northern Ireland. Yeah, I think so. And it's technically an American car. Right. Thank you. So, DeLorean. yeah, the DeLorean, there you go. That's that a, that's car is like one. a cultural continental whore. Oh, yes, for sure. it is. Even before also, it comes into the dealership. Oh, Speaking yeah. of whore, we sold um, like AMC dealers or some shit. I'm just sure for they fun. still have cocaine in there. Bugatti, them. of course, also makes the Veyron and the Chiron, yeah, which well, I don't cares. care about. No. At all, all automatics. EB110 um, was at least a manual. I'm going to blast through uh, Citroën, Renault, and Peugeot okay. uh, real quick. 
Citroen, first production car with disc brakes, 1955 yes. in the DS. Um, yes. Yeah, whatever. Hi, first car with hydropneumatic suspension, 1954 in the DS. Directional headlights, 1955 in the DS. The radial tire, 1948 in the Deschevo. Uh, Self-leveling suspension, 1948, Dachau. Unibody construction, 1934, and the uh, and the uh, traction Avant, mm-hmm. or I think it was actually technically called the 16 CV. Again, an awesome name, yes. traction Avant. Um, first production front-wheel drive car actually beat Cord to the punch barely, um, 1934. Uh, first hydro- high-pressure hydraulics in cars, 1954. Uh, wind, tu- wind tunnel tested aerodynamics. This was done in the late 20s by Fiat, but on all of their cars across the board. Mass production cars. Yeah, mass production cars was in the 1950s. mention that Citroen uh, hid their cars from the Nazi, and that's why all of this is happening in the ni- 1940s. Yes. Let's get to that in a second. They had it before, mm-hmm. but they didn't want Nazis to have it. Let's, right. let's go into the details okay. of that later. Because I just, I, I'm just trying to get through, get through it. All right. how important French vehicles Sorry, are in really everything <laughs> they did for the I car. I see the genuine excitement. So if we have to so, go over, that's just fine. Um, Bird, do you like not pushing your car out of a parking spot when you, you know, park front end? Actually, I had an E46 BMW with failed reverse one time. It was quite unpleasant. You know what? You can thank Renault for that. Because oh. in 1899... They invented the reverse gear. Wow. What a bunch of swell fellas that were drinking and probably having a bunch of cheese. You know what else they did? What? They advertised it in a movie. <gasps> That's so cute. Yeah. They, there was a movie where, uh, an move film, where a gentleman got into a car, which was a Renault, and was parked head in, and there's some guys coming for him, and he hand cranked it, got into it, put it in reverse, and drove away. <laughs> that was that was like most of the movie. So had he not had that <laughs> runout, he would have been killed assuredly. Uh, yes. I, I assume. Okay. Um, well, thank goodness he had that runout with the reversing gear. Do you also like your BMW 2002 and your E30s? Yeah, they're fabulous. They're great cars. Well, they? I haven't driven the 1600 yet, but, but I'm guessing I mean, it's good. You, you like your E30s? Yeah, it's great. And to a lesser extent, you like your E46. Yeah, it's a good car. I like yeah. the color. Yeah. Well, Drives you can nice-ish. thank Renault for that as well, because they made the Renault 8 Gordini in 1964, which was the first actual affordable sports sedan. Okay. So you can thank him for that. I won't be doing that, but sounds good. The Renault mm-hmm. 8? That car's awesome. I just don't care. You, you've never seen I don't care about the vast majority of French cars, honestly. Yeah, have you seen the Renault 8, though? I'm sure I've seen photos. Yeah, it's a rear-engine, rear-wheel drive yeah, no, sports sedan. Super care. cool. There's still better stuff happening in Germany. No, not even. That car's awesome. Besides, that car kicked a German car's ass when it was out. Whatever. I like, um, some, <laughs> I was I like, I like some French cars. I do. Anyway, uh, the Renault 4 was actually the first mass-production hatchback. Uh, Renault 4 CV was it's the first... small van. Yes. Uh, the Renault 4 CV was the first French car to sell over a million units. Um Dang, bud. Also, nineteen actually pretty significant. Yeah, it was. Uh, in 1968, uh, they had the first CAD CAM system for automobiles uh, at Unisurf. Yeah, they, they used uh, magnetic tapes to use precision measuring devices. Yes. It was incredible. Yeah, it was I mean, you, it literally looks awesome. like a modern, because they would make the full-scale clay model. Yeah. And then they would literally take this tape-driven machine, which was basically like a six-axis fucking pointer thing yeah would measure the whole clay model on tape i love it yeah it's really cool that, that day it was probably not even magnetic it was probably paper punched oh, tape yeah. and it no, was it was magnetic, it was magnetic. Okay. yeah anyway so this is I mean, this is when 
a one megahertz equivalent computer was the size of like a school. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was phenomenal. And they digitized data points. Yes. And they could, yeah, I mean, it's That's super incredible. cool that nobody had ever done that before with a car. Because the first um, CAD CAM car was the E36, and yes. that was 1991. Yeah, so the so fact that they were... significant... Yeah. Th- they were way ahead of the curve. Correct. Also, the Bazir curve... Uh, the Brazier curve? Bazir. Brazier. Oh. Is it Brazier? No. It's Bazir. Brazier is a... Yes, I know what a Brazier is. The Bazir curve, or Bezier curve, uh, rather... Like that was um, that was invented incidentally by Renault as well. Uh, well. Good for them. If you don't know what that is, it's basically um, it, it's a late apex, basically kind of curve. I'm oh, not sure, sure what you would like call it. Reducing that. radius. Yeah, reducing mm-hmm. radius. Um, what's a what's a mathematical term for that? Um, Nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, I don't even care. Math. But anyway, it's. Yeah. They, they, calculators. They they invented and that. From alpha. They invented that in computer modeling because prior to that, in computer modeling, everything had to be perfectly symmetrical. They figured mm-hmm. out a way to make it not symmetrical. Interesting. So you could actually make stuff like I think the curve on a wheel well. Beautiful or yeah. can be. Yeah, oh, it, it can, can be. be. Um, also, the very first WRC champion car, yeah. Alpine A110. Mm-hmm. That's a lovely car. Yeah. Uh, first shout out to oh somebody on our group. Plug. Was it Stephen yes. Haig? One second. Stephen Actually, I, I, I think it was Stephen Haig that noted the A110 is their favorite car. Well, Stephen, if you're uh, a listener, oh, here's a shout-out for you. Let's see here. I got it, I got it up on my phone here. Yes, it was Stephen Haig. Yep, Alpine A110. Cool. Um, he mentioned that as his favorite French car. Uh, but anyway. I mean, so it's, it's he's wrong, it, but it's still a nice car. Also, the first uh, turbocharged F1 car, the Renault RS01 is horribly unreliable as it was, but it was still the first turbocharged F1 car. Uh, brake distribution traction control, 1980, they patented it. Um, the Renault Spas, the first production minivan, 1984. First car with GPS and weather info is Carmenat in 1988, which what? is cool. Yeah, that they had GPS in 1988. Yeah, 88 GPS systems were quite poor. Uh, 1992, Renault Twingo was the first city car. Uh, they also won the inaugural Formula E championship in, ni- in 2015-2016 se- uh, series. So, going on to the last one. We're almost done, guys. We're <laughs> almost done. The point, of, the point of all of this is that everything was made by the French. Uh, Peugeot. First car with rubber tires, 1899. Uh, first motorsport race win ever ever to win a race was 1894. They basically had to invent motorsport to win that yes, race, they did. judging by the year. Um, first pneumatic racing tire, uh, 1894, to win said race. Um, <laughs> first dual Weird. red I cam... I that's a coincidence. Yeah, first mm-hmm. dual red cam engine, actually. That was a Peugeot, not a Bugatti, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, that was in 1912. First non-American to win the Indy 500, 1913. Dry sump oiling systems, Damn. 1913. Uh, <laughs> gear-driven camshafts, 1913. For YouTube listeners, that is an A110 Alpine. Yes. Um, uh, Ball-bearing crankshaft, 1913. That is obsolete these days. Oh, uh, they still use it in two cycles. In oh. two cycles, they still use it, yeah. But that that was pretty big, a pretty big deal. Because yeah, before that, it was kind of eh, sketch how you'd make it work. Yeah, they just Plain bearings w- they hadn't figured out at that point because they were like oil slingers and it was yeah, they, pretty rough. For yeah, yeah a prior and I mean up until really the 1950s, that was a very common crankshaft uh, system. Uh, and smaller early, early 30s. Real, well, I'd say I'd go for a lot of imports into the 1950s because really? a lot of Japanese cars, actually everything made in Japan up until about 1955, 
was uh, was ball bearing. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um. Anyway, where where am I? Uh. Sorry. So no, sorry. Four wheel four wheel brakes being in a car. Having wow. brakes in the front and the rear. Go-kartists and golf-kartists still have not figured this one out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, 1913. Um, Peugeot's uh, numeral system, the 205, the, two, the 201, 605, 1001, uh, those, that whole naming system was actually trademarked in 1929. And the world's first retractable hardtop uh, convertible in 1934. Wow. They have done more. I ran out of time. <laughs> Because these the French just did fucking everything. Between, they, did, they did a lot of cool stuff. I mean, Germany they made the car, and it, Germany did a lot of really important things, but nothing sexy. I think. Well, the thing like is, we did anti-lock brakes. We did the airbag. The common proverb. Like, great, you the, did three point seat. No, that was Swedish. No, the mm. the common proverb of car collectors is the Germans made the car. I don't read the, the Bible French, very often. Okay. Well, the common you know, proverb of car collectors is the Germans made the car, but the French perfected it. Okay. What did so. the Americans do to it? Just vomit in it? Yes. No. They didn't do anything. America has done fucking nothing. So we they just like we vomited in it. We yeah. just we made things mass produced, and that is it. We make stuff better, but we don't do a good job Not of making stuff oh, better. Have you ever had non-American pizza? Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I mean things like that. We make things Poutine. more. We we make things more tasteful. We I made think. the V eight. We may not better. tasteful, but maybe um, more attainable. I guess. We we make them better. I think I think it's a good way. Is uh, it's more attainable at least. I guess. It depends on what you're talking about. It does, but I'm trying to be as generalizing as possible. All right. So kind of, all right, let's yeah, look at yeah, beer. Yeah. American yeah. Pilsner, Budweiser, garbage. Not as good. Czech Pilsner. Pilsner Urkel. Also, fantastic. Can, I, can we give a props to 16-ounce Tallboys? Because they seem to last us a podcast. Yes, they do. Uh, they are fantastic. So, yeah, the French basically made everything and has saved everybody's life. Um, Jana, I will I would, let you go on yeah, this. Yeah, I really want to talk about the national car of France, which is ah, one of my favorite cars. Like, I, yeah, I can't like really pick a favorite car. Like French Allow cars me. are, you know, my favorite, but... We'll scroll over to the story. The Citroën Deus. Citroën Deus, yeah. It's, it's my favorite one to talk about with people who it's don't understand car. cars. Because I like, do, do I can pic- just school them about Do you have a picture this. of the Deus? Um, but what you're seeing I here, can pull up an or photo. what I'm about to talk about, is uh, the Citroën Deus and how it saved the president of France from being assassinated. So in, um, you know, the... Citroën DS was the limousine for uh, the president of France. He already really liked it. But on August 22nd, 1962, and actually, like, kind of like a militia group tried to assassinate... Ah, those guerrillas. Yeah, the the president of France and his wife. Um, But luckily, they were in uh, Citroën DS 19. Uh, I can't pronounce 19 in France. Yeah. Um, and there was 140 bullets, um, that were shot into the car that were shot into the car, like bullet holes, everything. Like you can see the Kennedy bullet. only took one. Um, wow. What a pansy. Yeah. <laughs> if he <laughs> right? had been French, he would have totally survived. Exactly. Yeah. And you know how we were talking about the French are better than the Americans. 140 to De Gaulle. He died of old age. One to Kennedy. He died from being shot. Um, but yeah. I and think we're far enough into the future where this is probably okay to say no, but that's pretty insensitively horrible. It is insensitively horrible. But yeah, 140 bullets, uh, at least two um, tires were taken out, but through the... Well, 
but somewhere between two and two five hundred and five hundred. Like yeah. we don't know how many tires we're taking out, so but many tires probably. I'm gonna assume. A lot so it's 120 bolts. On 140. 140. 140 bolts on a day S. That's a pretty thin sheet metal car. Dude, I'm gonna assume that all engine. four are blown yeah, out. Yeah, and at I've this heard point. I've heard stories where it's only two. I've heard stories where it's all four. How would you ever know with the tremendous ride quality of that hydro pneumatic exactly. suspension? Exactly, and the hydro pneumatic system, like, and the skills of this amazing chauffeur. Uh, saved it's the worth president. noting that he the pressure accumulators for that suspension system are very thick steel. Yeah. And probably not penetratable by bullets from that yeah. era. Actually, an- another point to make on that, uh, De Gaulle was shot multiple times and was bleeding out. So yeah. had he been driven at a normal speed that you oh, would yeah. be able to drive a car with a flat tire, he would have died. Because oh, yeah. he nearly died. They almost killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they almost killed him, but, you know the awesome car and you know the awesome chauffeur girl because it did skid out but the driver well, was probably was, driving on steel wheels so yeah, yeah um but the driver oh. was able to and it said that he was able to balance the car and get the rubber on the road yeah. so you know he made it safely to a hospital and you know it saved his life and yeah. that's how the citron became the national Deus, car yeah of france. of france and i think presidents to this day still drive in Sotrons? Yeah, uh, Emmanuel Mar- Macron has one. And yeah. I think actually, wasn't uh, Pope John Paul uh, I French? I think so. Yeah, because I, I, th- I know that there's been at least two popes that have had dioceses. My favorite pope vehicle is the W463 G Class with yeah. the giant bubble on the back. Oh yeah, gosh. that was also John Paul's. Um, uh, no, John, actually. John Balls? Uh, no, my favorite. Uh, Friend, or uh, my favorite Pope car is uh, the current p- uh, Pope's you know, uh, Renault actually, 4. Save it. <laughs> we'll do an episode that includes Pope mobiles. Yeah. All right, but, good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I love telling, you know, the story of how Citroen saved, you know, the president yeah. of France. And like, also, can we talk about how they had to hide their technology from the Nazis? Yes, they did. Because uh, the Citroen, Citroen de Chavaux uh, was originally produced in like the twenties, and they had a bunch. Pull the picture of the two CV, please, for uh, viewers. Still working on the dais. Uh, but <laughs> a bunch. Uh, so they had That's a bunch tough. of prototypes for it, and they had everything worked out. But they hid them. They in attics, barns. Yes, that's a day. Um, now the Deschamps. I'm working on the two CV. Ah. Um, but yeah, they they hid them. Like successfully in attics, barns. Oh, like, like Anne Frank. Yeah, like 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 Anna Frank. Yeah. Anna Frank. Oh, sorry. Um, Anna Frank. Um, <laughs> I'm getting corrected now. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a first. <laughs> but yeah, so they hid them all throughout France. The Nazis looked for them, couldn't find them. They're still finding them in attics. Yeah, they're still finding but pre-war. But after, you know, Germany lost World War II. God, the 2CV is a sexy beast. Yeah, they brought it I really it like out, that car a lot. And, you know, it we should get a motor called 2CV. I think we should. Yes. But the De Chavaux, uh was went into production in the Bring up a picture of that orange 40s. late model Dolly. And no. I think they stopped production in the 90s. Yes, it did. 92. Yeah, 1992. So, so um, it's... An amazing car. It's way better than the Beetle. I don't know why uh, dude, people like the Beetle. The, the Type than the One Beetle, Beetle sucks. I mean, it, that's just a fact of life. The like, Beetle and sucks. And plus, they were built by Jews that were like you know being malnourished. But not not that was not really the, the Beatles. The the Beatles not not really the Beatles were made um, forced labor. A handful. Look how happy the two CV is though. It's yeah. like a happy catfish. 
yeah. Also, that livery with the duck on it was actually a factory optional uh, limited edition. Uh, actually, another fun fact about Nazis in World War II. Um, yeah, totally fun to talk about. Oh, so much fun. <laughs> It's alright, he's Jewish, it's probably okay. Yeah, no, I can I can say a lot of stuff that you guys can't. Louis Renault, who is a president of Renault, uh, when in nineteen forty when the French were capitulated by yes. the Nazis, um he was he was being forced to produce vehicles for the Wehrmacht. And Oh that's right, I love yeah, this. So <laughs> he refused to make tanks. He did not want to make tanks because Renault was famous for making tanks in World War One. They actually made the tank really arguably a one World War One. Uh, it was much more reliable than the Mark II or whatever it was that the English had. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, he wouldn't make them for the Germans. So they said, well, either we you can go to a concentration camp or you can make a vehicle. So he obviously made a vehicle, but he made trucks. Yeah. Now, they never said you had to make it reliable. Uh, ha-ha. <laughs> now the shoe's on the other foot, Wait. we say. So he uh, basically extended the... Uh, oil dipsticks on the trucks. La chaussure mettez sur l'autre pied. They made the dip, they extended the dips, the dipsticks like about like a centimeter. So they were further into the oil sump. So, so further in would mean that if it's reading full, it's actually not. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, I'll let at, you keep telling when the you're story. At, when you're at your low point, you now have no oil touching your roller bearings. Well, thank goodness. I typically overfill all vehicles. <laughs> so also when he designed it, he yeah. took a, a t- uh, little tip from Volkswagen's book where made oh, it a little bit more prone to oil leaks. Wow, did he use a bunch of O-rings made out of inferior material? Probably. Wow, um, cool. <laughs> so basically, going, man. It's basically he, a Corvair. He designed these trucks in the a- that were eventually sent to the African campaign. For the Africa? Af- the Africa Corps. And because um, the, the factory, the factory actually Africa, was completely Africa, bombed out. Africa. The factory was completely bombed out in 1942, so it would have only affected the, Af- the Africa Corps. Um, but all the trucks in Rommel's Africa court kept breaking down. They could not figure out what was going on. Like they had a failure rate of like two out of three trucks will fail. Nice. So they had like spare <laughs> trucks everywhere. Um, Did he also put like the oil specification as like light cooking oil will suffice. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yes. Like he basically made a modern Volkswagen uh, for them to wage war. I with. give you the 2.0 TSI, <laughs> German army. <laughs> he made that. That's actually what I bet that's probably what Germany is making is they're just taking all of Louis Renault's Our Volkswagen engine engineers. French? Repressed French people? They yes. might be. They're probably from like Westphalia or something. I think like, we might be onto something here. <laughs> that that was it. It I was think that the designer of the 2.0 TSI is a repressed <laughs> Frenchman. <laughs> Just a very disgruntled engineer. But uh, no, he, actually Louis Renault has been. Um, he was. We make a, no bold claims at all. Exactly. He actually his trucks were a massive failure point, and he was a hero of the French Resistance. And actually, after World War II, when they were basically killing everybody that helped the Germans. Yeah. That design saved his life. He lost his job at Renault and was basically put into hiding and from public service. Yeah. But he that doing that saved him from going to jail. Because um, everybody else just like straight up went the to jail. Nazis also steal a car that killed them. Yes, they did also steal a car that killed them. Yeah. But that was not a uh, French car. That was a Czechoslovakian Tatra. That was loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, when they, um, w- what they, what the uh, Czechoslovakian resistance did is they just took 
uh, Tatras, which use swing axles, I and they cut tatras. the. They just took a knife and they cut the leather limiting straps on them. A so, Tatras check. Yeah, there. Good beer. Yes, uh, but they would uh, cut the limiting straps for the swing axles. So when you go around a unsafe corner, at any speed, yeah, mm-hmm. says Ralph Nader. They would cut the limiting straps, and then when you go around a corner, the car would roll under itself and then roll and. This is literally talking about an early Corvair. Yeah, it was yeah. a V8 rear engine, air cooled, air cooled aluminum V8. It it's was overhead actually, cam. I think we should have like a, at least a half episode about Chuckles. We can we can touch on the Tatra because yeah. I love the Tatra. We'll we'll do that later, yeah. but not. Sorry, not this I time. had that con- that story con- those stories confused. Sure. So I thought a no, bunch of. We could also talk about uh, who was the princess rider, Diana. We could talk about that car and how oh, it yes. failed to do its job. Well, that was German, not French. If w one hundred and forty. If she had a, if she had a De Chevaux. or a DS, or a DS, or an SM, even, or mm. even an SM, anything with a, with uh, adjustable suspension, yep. she would have been okay. We would still have Princess Diana, but alas, she had a Nazi mobile. Yep, uh, and a base model for that matter is the S three twenty. It was the worst Why? one you could that get. That was not the base model in that country. Oh, wasn't base model that here. a four cylinder? No, but they had a diesel. Ugh, they had like an S two seventy. So, so basically, you know, if she would have had W140. a French car, she would have been be fine. fine. Oh, man. You know, I'm really paparazzi. torn here. I really like the W140. Okay, so just it's just not that good. You can it's a cool it, car, but it's not that good. You can have it as a daily driver, but it's when fine. You're, it's the same reason I like the C4. Paparazzi or you know potential assassins get a Citroen. So. Um, Burger, uh, it, it, it's 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 fine. That's a bad car. I like the C four. That's a terrible vehicle. It's okay to like terrible vehicles. That's good. It killed Princess Diana. Okay, you're fine. Yeah, it's you're not right. a good car. Right, this is like- anyway, um, you know, Bugatti also hit a bunch of Royales <laughs> in uh, the Paris sewers as well. That's amazing. I Actually, love- to date, there's still unaccounted for Bugattis. There's four unaccounted for. Type 35s, I think. So I think we need a World War II episode. No, because they... No. no, The the thing (laughs) is... This episode's already killing me. uh, (laughs) No, they had... uh, There's like a bunch of unaccounted for Bugattis, and they've already found three of them in the Paris sewer system. (laughs) Like, literally, uh, Bugatti hid... Emile Bugatti (laughs) hid two Royales... No, sorry, three Royales in the Paris sewer system. (laughs) And one in, one inside of his house. Hopefully in a non-particularly heavy flow area. <laughs> well, because the Paris sewer system was designed in like the 1600s, so you could you can so walk around. So was their trash rec- reclamation. Yeah, but you can you can walk around inside the sewer without because it, it's really just a moat underground. Anyway, so yeah, they they hid cars in the sewer. Um, but yeah, so they that's it. They've made everything cool. Uh, they've. They're heroes Let's touch of on World Cup of Cars. <laughs> well, there's one last thing I want to talk about. All right, fine. I want to talk about how they keep making really cool hatchbacks. Okay. Because they do. I mean, please elaborate. Okay. Let's talk about the Renault 5 Turbo, which is. That's not still in production. I know, but, they, but they've had, they have a history of it and they continue making them. The Renault 5 okay. Turbo, the 205s, the 206s, they make well, all those. No, they make the Megane, like our 26R. And yeah, like everything they make is really cool. They've the always Clio, had hot Clios. They, they always have that. Even the Twingo. Like they can't help but make cool hatchbacks. Even the Saxo. Um, yeah, so they've made a ton of cool cars. And actually on the Motor Cult Facebook page, uh, on the Motor Cult Facebook page, we had a question of what's your favorite French car. And it's basically a list of every French hatchback. So had a lot of votes for the Clio uh, V6, uh, Kua in particular. Randy Stern uh, insisted that we mention the Citroen CX uh, or the Renault 21 slash medallion. 
I would say the Renault 12 because that's the one from PUBG. Uh, that's a Dacia. Oh uh, Scott said the Peugeot 205 GTI. Also one the six or one nine? I don't care. One nine, Two hopefully. Oh. Unspecified. Unspecified. He is here. Yeah. Uh, the traction avant, avant um, which literally Ant. just means front wheel drive. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peugeot 405 T16 Pikes Peak. Mm, Ryan mm-hmm. Rask said the Renault Le Car. Uh, 406 Coupe against Scott. Scott just kind of said everything. The Twingo <laughs> of all generations. And I Stephen think he Hage, spent more time in France than any of us. Yeah. So. yeah. Stephen Hage also said uh, the Peugeot 205 GTI or the That's Renault. Good answer. The Those Renault cars, Alpine A110. I, I honestly consider it sometimes, but like I could get a 1.6 RHD in here shipped to Minnesota for like six and a half grand. Yeah, I really, I want a 205 quite badly. GTI even. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just waiting for Brian from International Vehicle Importers to import one. He was here like, earlier. It was. I was talking to him earlier. Hi, Brian. Um, yeah, shout to him. Yeah, hi, Brian. Uh, I'm just waiting for him to get one and somebody like backs up a deal and just sits in their inventory for like a year and I can not buy happen, it on the dude. cheap. Other people beside us in this room like the 205 GT. Well, no, they've had a hot beat in their inventory since like the beginning of man. Okay. So, I mean, they, they do have cars all sit around People from time just to don't time. know to look there. I mean, um, when we interviewed him on the podcast, I looked through the website for the first time. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, they've got a lot of cool stuff mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Uh, anyway. We should, I'm tra- I've been tra- ever since I met him, I've been trying to get him to do more French cars. And he's like, people don't want them. I'm like, they will. You know, you can just if get If you him import, import them, one. they will come. Yes. You, you can just get it's him like to field of dreams. I, I, I need. But it's yeah, like French first. car of dreams. So um, let's talk about the World Cup of Cars. Yes. It's France. We were actually watching the World Cup downstairs yeah. earlier. France versus Australia. Yep, it's France Ooh. versus Australia. Australia. So Australia, I'm just to say it's going to be the Mad Max Ford Falcon GT XB generation. Okay. I think okay. that'd be a good one. Does or it I'll... have the remotely activatable Roots supercharger somehow? No. No, okay. Um, actually, I mean, it could because a we'll remotely activatable Roots supercharger is totally doable. I mean, it's cool, but like, anyway, we won't touch on the issues with that yes. right now. Anyway, well, because Toyota did that. Yeah, but they had, like, bypass valves and stuff, and this was, like, side road engineering, and there was no way to pull air through a Ritz blower without spinning That's a good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to be the Mad Max XB Falcon GT stock, the normal one. We have not watched Road Warrior on Laserdisc. We <gasps> need to do that. You keep talking. I'm going to buy this. Uh, and then for France, um, I'm not sure what we should have. Should we have the 205 GTI T16, which was the, the Peugeot homologation, uh, homologation Group B car, or the Renault 5 Renault Turbo, 5 Turbo, which is also an earlier Group B Dude, look at your car. shirt. Duh. So Renault 5 Turbo. Mad Max yes. was first, then Road Warrior was a sequel. Yeah, Sorry. nobody wants to actually watch the original Mad Max. Nobody does, but I'm just saying. You it's a, watch it's, it's not a good movie. I love Mad Max. That's what I was talking about. It's an awful movie. No, Road you got to get Road Warrior. I, well, it's so it's, much better. He is the Road Warrior. No, you got to get Road Warrior, uh. not Mad Max. Mad Max sucks. <laughs> um, anyway. So, Jana. Get them both. Just you keep talking. Jana. We are a little bit over which, time, which, so. which car is better? The is it like the one that Mad Max actually drove, or is it just uh, we'll a, call it a, a movie one. replica car? A stock one? Oh! If it's the stock one... I'm out. I'm out. So uh, France wins. But if it's the actual Mad Max uh, car, then uh, yeah. Mm, I'm still in with the yeah. Renault. Yeah, I'm, with the, I'm in with the Renault. Yeah. I, the I, I car, can't go against the Renault. I, what about... Uh, all right, let's like, say the Falcon's a really cool what's, car. What's yeah. a better like, Renault 5 Turbo? Are you is, kidding me? Is there no, an gotta... Australian car that can hold up to it? No. 
the Malu. The Malu is pretty close. The I'd Malu say the Malu really cool. or the um, the Nissan Presage, which was a uh, Skyline made in Australia. We'll go with the Malu. The Malu. So the Malu versus the Renault 5 Should Turbo. Should I pay 16 shipped for the first two Mad Maxes? Yes. Yes, okay. and then just use the first one as a, I don't know, something you'll put in your dumpster. Patreon. We currently, okay, well, we, the Patreon isn't supposed to be doing uh, Lazy Dis Night stuff, but yeah, if you guys want to hop on Patreon for uh, Motor Cult, which is patreon.com forward slash Motor Cult, <laughs> feel free to buy us a beer, which is just going to go into Laser Dis this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so the Renault 5 Turbo wins. We can it does. Yes, can, it, it wins w- all No things. contest. No contest. Yeah. It wins. All right. Um, Janet, did you have any other fun facts you want to tell before we jump into interesting engineering and then close well, out this episode? Well, a lot of my fun fact was the DS. The DS stuff? I love the DS and, uh, yeah, and Citroen. There's a lot and of cool stuff. Did we talk yeah, about the articulating headlights? I think we did. Oh, no, no we, we didn't. Oh, my God. So... Um, so in the Citroen Well, let's talk DS about articulating headlights then. <laughs> I think also the Doshevo. Doshevo. Yeah, it uh, d- they, they no, did. No, no. I think they did, but no. only in the production after when the Deus started. Okay. The, the Deus and the SM, I know for sure, had it. Um, I think they added it to the 2CV, though. Also, yes. I will say that the best 007 car was the 2CV. Okay, anywho, um, they Incorrect. had uh, headlights Wrong. that... Went with Ryan. their wheels, the yeah. steering wheels. So, do you so know how it was about the mechanical linkage? Yeah, do yes, you know mechanical. how it was operated? It was linked to the steering wheel. It well, it's actually a very interesting mechanical linkage. It was, yes. which was removed by the DOT when because of mm-hmm. because America's stupid. Also, put stupid headlights in it. It's disgusting in America. I'm importing one. They put sealed one. beams in them. They're yeah, like, they're oh, they terrible. Enclosed headlights in the French ones with the rotating beam. They were just like much worse. Yeah, have you guys seen the original TV ad for for the DS? Oh, yes. Um, well, no. All right. So I, I, I do want to go into the mechanical yes, linkage. I know. I, just, I just get really they, excited about it. When they and when you turn the wheel, it's a cable system. Feature. It's a cable system, and when you turn left, only the left headlight turns, and we turn yep. right, only the right one turns. Yep. Yes. And the way that works so you is don't it, blind yeah, people. basically. Mm-hmm. It, but the thing is, when you, oops, sorry, when you, the way it actually operates is, there's like a series of like slides on the on this little cable that it, only after a certain amount of tension will begin to actuate the cable. That okay, yeah, it was so only so like the last like, ninety degrees of the steering if you're wheel. If you know, playing with the steering wheel, they won't. It, it but won't. if you're swerving a squirrel. It they will. will. Yes. Okay. So it's actually really How interesting. does one swerve a squirrel? It swerves around a squirrel. Sorry, yeah. I missed oh, a syllable. Okay. Anyway, Burger, tell us about hydrogas hydro suspension systems and how they work. And what did it do well? How did it do poorly? Um, and why we won't see it again? Well, we, we still kind of do see it, but okay. So how Citroen did this is they basically put a really... Uh, it was a mineral hydraulic oil into basically a steel sphere. Okay. And they had an airspace above that. So it maintained a certain volume, mm-hmm. but the pressure could change because it used a sealed hydraulic ram that was corner-linked from the rear left to the front right and the front left to the rear right. So the system allowed for extremely smooth ride, but it did not allow for that grade of cornering. They were trying yeah. to improve that with the diagonal link. Yeah. And that's why a lot of Nazis flipped them. Right. And how they were able to do the ride height change is they were able to alter the amount of volume inside of this hydraulic system with a second piston. Mm -hmm. So, and like the Deus and the SM, 
you could at least the later ones you could put it into a mode where it would jack all the way up and you oh, could like yeah you could the change, change the tire, the tire. right yeah. that didn't include jack that. Yeah, yeah it's really cool so i mean the system it was designed th let me back up a little bit the reason why i don't think we'll really see it implemented anymore is because it's not safe oh. and well i mean maneuverability wise yeah. it's just unstable but the reason why it was so innovative at the time is because of how well it rode over rutted farm fields. Yes. Because in the original Citroen 2CV design criteria, it had to be able to carry two people and... A basket of eggs. A basket of eggs across a rutted form, farm field at 30 miles per hour. And so many people have done that test. And, and it it's works. To Even this on a beat-up old De Chaveau. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen people put goats in them and chickens yeah. in the back and... It's and fine. they look very happy when they get to and market. Actually, yeah. actually on I think it was Paul Hollywood's big intercontinental road trip where he did the French episode. Yeah. He, um, I think he was the only person to get to fail. And the way he did it is he basically he had to drive the car at ten tenths, and still like bang his head into the basket of eggs over his head. <laughs> it wasn't over his head no. though. It was designed to be in the back. I, That's the thing. Is like he had to like he had to totally. Ma but oh the thing word. is, oh yeah, he was trying to yeah, find a way. He was trying to, to find a way to make it, and he nearly <laughs> rolled the car in the process. He nearly like. rolled the car, but the eggs still like. I mean, maybe one or two cracked, but the rest of them were right. fine, and they were purposely trying to crack these eggs. And Either way, couldn't. the ride quality. All three of us rode in oh, Michael's yeah. two CV in St. Paul, yeah. and it. The ride is sublime. Oh God, I w I, w I didn't want to get into the electric Fiat after that because I was like, this is, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, that really. Is but it's not I driving like a daily. driving I, in a I proper, too, a proper Citroen pre bankruptcy Citroen is one of the greatest experiences you'll have in your life. Oh yeah, it was. It so is fun. so unique. Yeah, it, I don't think I would you want need to, drive to a French car. I, I don't think I want to drive one every day, but it's nice to ride in one every once in a while, especially up the hill on Summit. I'd want to ride one every day. With four oh my people God. in it. No problem. And it, it was fun. And like mm -hmm. three of the four people were like... With 16 horsepower. Pretty, yeah. you know, we're, substantial we're people. But according you were to the my, only person in that car that was under 200 pounds. According yeah. to my digital scale, I am obese. So I'm... Uh, I don't know how many metric tuckers. Probably I think two? About, about one and a half. Yeah. Maybe one and three quarters. Like it was. I'm like negative metric. That's tuckers. true. Michael's pretty small. Jana's like what? Ninety four, ninety five pounds. Ninety three. pounds. Close. I'm, I'm two twenty, but between two twenty and two thirty, depending I'm on how much I have to poo. Yeah. One eighty to one ninety. My, Michael's Michael's about two hundred probably. But so I'm also yeah, like, like that's five that's, one, and yeah. you guys are almost six feet tall. But we were all so comfortable. In yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, it was great. I couldn't even tell you two were in the back. It was. I felt like it was just me and that's Michael. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was no it, for sixteen horsepower. It was, it was phenomenal. And also, this there. was at an Italian car show that we found it was. this French <laughs> car that <laughs> I was I just ran. loitering around the park. Yeah, and and I, I ran across this Italian car show in heels yeah, to get Jan to this car. Jana like. Full on, like, sprinted through the Paz and Luna meet. Like, it was by a secret Italian car show meet. Yeah. Which doesn't, it's in uh, Nebraska. Yes. Yeah. In uh, October. But no, you. Um, they just ca happened to have Summit Hill there, too. So they, they yeah, had. Yeah, they have uh, a Summit Hill there. It was a very long drive. The car has fantastic fuel economy. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> the Ferrari did well. No, so did the electric so you, you, <laughs> I was thinking about the cars you, drew, you ran past without oh, yeah. looking up. You ones that several children had boners over. Uh, 60s Ferraris. Ferrari 270. GTO. All right, so here, here are the particular cars. At least one 
Ferrari 275 GTO, yes. which is like the third most expensive car in the world. Um, a Lamborghini Diablo. Oh my God, this is going so long. A Lamborghini Diablo, <laughs> uh, a Maserati Biturbo, a Testarossa, like everything. My the Magnum PI car. Your yeah. A really broken down Biturbo. Oh, yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, you ran past every cool Italian car to get to a Deschavo. And I think... Yes. <laughs> that that is a perfect testament to why French cars are awesome. There were several people putting me on their Snapchat stories. Like, if you ever, if you I ever want For to sure. buy a car that will attract women, buy a French car. Buy a French car. Yes, I think that should be our bombshell. I think that's a very fair bombshell that is our bombshell thank <laughs> you and see you on wednesday thanks everyone bye. for joining us on the french episode bye <laughs> <laughs>